Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore how assisted reproductive technology changes lives in our world. We are here to tell stories that go beyond technology, real lives, real people being touched and changed every day. I'm Jennifer White. I am obviously, I'm, well, I'm, I'm here. I'm the co-host of the <laughs> I am the director of um, Bright Futures Families, which is Colorado surrogacy, Montana surrogacy, New Mexico surrogacy, Texas surrogacy, and New England surrogacy. It's a, a lot to say, yeah. right? Um, and I'm here with my co-host, Ellen Trackman, who is... Awesome. Yes. Hi. Um, yes. And I'm so excited because that, well, I always say I'm excited, but uh, this is the wrap up for our first year of doing the podcast. Um, and in honor of doing a full year of podcasting, um, I just wanted to, to recap and ask you what was your favorite episode or your favorite moment from the past year? I mean, we've been really lucky to have so many great experts, so many great personal stories. Um, it's, it's a lot to choose from. I It is. And I have to say some of it is that a lot of it, my favorite parts are the behind the scenes parts that people don't see <laughs> is the, the connections that I've been able to make with people. Cause you know, I'm sure it's pretty obvious to people that we have a pre-call with people before this. Um, and you know, that we've talked through and make sure that we understand what, what, what people might be willing to talk to us about. Um, and getting to make connections with some people like, um, Corlando Scott was really fun to talk to beforehand. And I mean, obviously I totally fangirled out because he's also, you know, in, in Westworld and all that stuff. <laughs> um, but I, I think my favorites are honestly any of the episodes where people open up and are really raw and tell their story and their truths. Um, like I think Jessica Fields was a really big favorite because she really talked about uh, and we have to have a follow-up with her because I know. After, should, I, should I ruin it? That after that episode, she successfully ad- adopted and adopted, has a beautiful yeah. baby and Yay. is really happy. I know. And I think oh. some of that is that like that's some of the behind the scenes is like we we hear how raw and difficult that was for her, and then we get to watch the follow-ups afterwards and see what is going on and make these real connections with people. Um, I really liked um, talking to Lainey Wolf because that was such a Hi. beautiful story. <laughs> Is that on your list? Oh, yes. It's definitely <laughs> on my list. That one made me cry. And that we had yeah. both her and her sister who was her donor. And it was just really touching. I agree. That was definitely on my list. Oh. Yeah. And then I think some were fun, like Jennifer Barfield talking about um, the how IVF is different species as well. Like but that's, across that one animals. has a bad follow up where IVF one passed away as a as a child. Yeah, but but it still was such so interesting and fascinating. And you know, I'm always learning, and so like just getting to talk to people about all those things are fun. Um, and I mean, any of the stories where intended parents come on and talk about their, their rawness, you know, um, David Blatt and Melissa Diaz and Ashley Hammonds, like just uh, how difficult their journeys are. It, I, I have too many to have a favorite is the problem. So I have a lot of, lot of, lot of favorites. How about you? Yeah. Yeah. No, I feel the same. It's been a really good year and we've been so fortunate that so many people have been willing to 
to come on and open up their their lives and their stories. Um, of course, I have to say that the attorney ones are, are pretty, pretty amazing. Where we've had uh, Ida Parisi from Italy and Stephen Page from Australia. And a lot of these are combos, like where Stephen has such a, like a fun, interesting personal story and then also is such an expert um, and has these stories of like being in court, changing lives. Uh, Kim Surratt was definitely memorable. And I still oh, yeah. have to no, laugh where, where I so look up to her and respect her. And she helped change the law in Nevada and, you know, is representing parents and protecting families all the time. And we are in her, we're doing a normal interview about all this amazing work. And she's like, Oh, did you want me to talk about the, how I helped the FBI? <laughs> and we're right. like, um, <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. Yes. So, right. So that uh, led to two so. episodes, right? <laughs> yeah. But recently, I mean, Lainey's really sticks out. Um, I really like Danielle Kitson's, uh, Hannah's recent one is just amazing. And just so she's just puts it all out there and it gives a lot of hope to all families in my opinion. Um, so I feel really lucky and look forward to another year or more of um, exciting stories to tell. Right. And so today we have yet another story. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are interviewing Amanda Kennard Fox Gruber, who actually, she just full disclosure, and it, it's in, definitely in the interview, she works for us. Uh, so she, her, her journey took on a very different twist afterwards in that she... Uh, I kind of feel like we worked for her. This. Is that? I, mean, I, I think that's actually the truth is that we work for her. But, <laughs> you know, that, that's okay. You know, the, the, the truth comes out. It's fine, right? Um, but no, she had an incredible journey that has brought her to us and through all of what she went through. So it's, it's really incredible. So I, we're excited to share it with you. Welcome. Today we're here with Amanda Kennard. Just kidding. Fox Gruber. I know how to pronounce your name. <laughs> Just I obviously on purpose. Okay. Um, but yeah, so Amanda, we are excited to have you on the show. Um, you personally have a, a great and amazing story about um, your life intersecting with surrogacy both being a surrogate yourself and to ruin the ending, the spoiler that you now work with us, you work with, with Jennifer and myself, and you are the business manager of Colorado Surrogacy, among other amazing things that you do and um, kind of run the show and <laughs> make everything not kind of, smoothly. Not, not and, kind yeah. of. She okay. does run the show. <laughs> Completely run the show. Most and days. you're you're like the magic of why people get their lucky socks before transfers and um, get to all the special things that, that makes it clear that they're really thought of, which we are thinking of them, but you make it make them know that. <laughs> Just so, just fantastic. Um, but so we're we're happy to have you on the show to talk about your experience. I think it's something um, unique from a lot of others, and um, is is definitely an interesting story. So um, before we start, tell us about yourself. What, like generally, when you say hi, I'm Amanda, where what do you start with? That's a really good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Long walks on the beach, right? <laughs> Um, hmm. everybody thinks I'm a redhead and I'm not, oh, um, I what? thought you were a redhead. Hmm. I did too. <laughs> no, my hair is dark brown. I mean, I dye it regularly, so it maybe it's like your, your fiery personality makes us think it, that you're a redhead. Uh, yeah. Or the freckles. And my sister she is a very redhead. That secret to the world. Yes. Yeah, so wow. everybody thinks I should be a redhead. I am not. Um, I have two young children, two young boys that are crazy. Um, I will and be married normal. 10 years this year. Congratulations. Yes. And, um, I'm also a sign language interpreter. 
which is weird and That's crazy for cool. some people. Um, I mean, I think I think that gives us a leg up for if there's any intended parents or gestational carriers out there who want their agency to be fluent in American Sign Language. We have that bonus right there. Right, have Amanda. Actually, it hasn't come up yet. We have been to we, events, we and there have been people who speak who who need an interpreter. And uh, Amanda has been very interestingly stepped in, and especially because some terms don't translate as easily. So it's been fun to watch her sometimes at events. Yes, correct. I use it at events quite a bit. So yeah. just because yeah. I can speak directly to people, but yes, right. I think we also have someone who speaks Hungarian. If anyone happens to need that, we so, do have that too. Um, yes, yes. Because that is also very random, <laughs> and that is not me, right? <laughs> okay, so go on. So you're so you're a sign, American Sign Language interpreter. Um. Yeah. I I don't know what else. I grew up in New Mexico, which Woo. so did Jen and Ellen. Coincidence. Amazing. Right. Random coincidence. Um. And then moved to Colorado for college. So I've technically only lived in New Mexico and Colorado. And um, that's about it. Okay. So So how did you get into the idea or even the thoughts about surrogacy? Where where did that come from in your life? So my sister, when she was very young, when she was 18 months old, um, was diagnosed with cancer and had the cancer removed, but then had chemo and radiation, which in turn damaged her heart, damaged her backbone. Um, They don't know what kind of damage that really did to her reproductive organs because it was in her intestines. So, you know, all the radiation and chemo and all of that was happening in that area. And at such a young age, like everything is right there. And so as I got older, I just, even if she could have children, like even if she has eggs or could use her eggs, with her health, I wasn't sure that she'd actually be able to carry the child to term. Um... So it was something I thought about even before I had children. And then once I had children, I was like, oh, there's no way her body can carry a child to term. Like, this is a lot of work for somebody who's, you know, pretty healthy and who doesn't have any health issues. Um, You know, and as she's gotten older, a lot of other things have happened. Um, She ended up having to have an ICD put in and have it. She had a stroke and different things like that. She's fine. She's sorry. I don't know. Where's an ICD? Um. Because of her heart, she had to have the ICD put in. It's like a pacemaker, is that correct? Um, because it's enlarged from the chemotherapy. And so um, she's healthy. I mean, other than having an ICD at a pretty young age. Otherwise, she's probably healthier than most people in America. Um, <laughs> like she watches what she eats and exercises daily. So I'm pretty sure she's healthier than I am. But her body physically just could not like create another human being and carry it to term. And so it was something I thought about um, for a long time. And so even before I married my husband, I said, Hey, you know, after we have kids, just so you know, I might be a surrogate for my sister. And he was like, okay. So, I mean, he even knew this, like before we even got married, like, this is something I thought about and you best be okay with it. (laughs) Hey, that's a good thing. Just get it all out in the open from the start. Right. Right. And if you're not, then you're probably not the right person for me. So, um, Yeah. So that's kind of what got me thinking about it and kind of in the process of, okay, so how do you, what do you do about this and all of that? Eventually my sister and her husband decided that due to my sister's health concerns and different things, they are not sure that she even has eggs or could get eggs. Um, They also don't think that with um, her health situation that it would be good to do the hormones and stuff in order to harvest the eggs. And so they decided that surrogacy, 
you know, even if they needed an egg donor was probably just not the best option for them. Um, they're not even sure they want to have kids, but if they did, it would be, you know, they adopt kids or they are, they don't know this. Well, they do kind of know this, but they'll just get my kids for a couple months in the summer, (laughs) every summer. Um, you know, we'll just make sure that they have the experience still every now and then. (laughs) Right. That's a good way to do it. And he travels a lot too. So with between her health and him, his job and him traveling a lot, it's really hard, you know, to know that it's a lot of work to take care of children. So um, at this point, they've just made the choice not to have children. So. Got it. Okay. So, well, so they've made that choice. Yeah. Right. So then, I, I mean, obviously the spoiler alert is that you uh, were a surrogate at some point. So we have to, how did you get there? What, where, where did your path take you? Right. So eventually my sister and my brother-in-law had talked to me about it and then they had kind of backed off. And as I was singing to one child, pregnant with another child one night, I was looking on Facebook and one of my dear friends from college, um, I knew that they were pregnant. She was pretty close, um, as far as, um, pregnancy and weeks as I was, um, maybe a couple weeks off, but I, you know, was rocking one child pregnant with another and, looked and saw that they had lost their child at like 22 weeks. And my heart just sank. Like in that moment, I couldn't imagine that happening. Like, you know, that's worst case scenario. Um, so, you know, you just kind of let that sink in. You send your condolences. And then a few months later, um, they posted that they were looking for a surrogate. So honestly, I prayed about it. I talked to my sister to make sure she was really serious about not um, wanting this to happen anytime soon, because obviously I would be dedicated to somebody else. Um, I talked to my husband. We, you know, just, I just kind of sat on it for a while, honestly, and was like, okay, is this really something I'm supposed to do? And you were also still pregnant, right? No. So I think by the time they had asked for a surrogate, I had already given birth. So it was, I can't remember exactly, you know, all that starts to really kind of smear together. But um, I had already had um, my youngest child at that time. So, um, yeah, so I was like, "Mm, let me think about this. You know, I was just kind of thinking about it, stewing to myself, talking to friends about it, that kind of thing. Um, And I responded back to him and said, hey, I think I would like to be your surrogate. And he responded, great, I'll have the clinic contact you. And they contacted me and sent me this insanely long (laughs) application package. Wow. And they told me later, they honestly didn't even expect me to return that back to them. Like to ever turn anything back. So that's interesting. So you think it would be like this big moment of you offering and them saying, okay, but actually they're more like, okay, we'll we'll see. Like not thinking you're serious maybe. Well, and that's because they had already had a relative of theirs try to be a surrogate for them, and that fell through. And so they already kind of knew that this process takes a lot. I mean, you know, at least the beginning stages as far as application and screening and psych and all that. And so they were like, yeah, she doesn't know what she's getting into, or maybe she's not real serious. Sure, try this. And you filled it all out and returned it. Is that I filled it all out and I returned it. And I'm sorry, since I know you really well, you did it within, did, did you wait more than an hour to finish it? Or I mean, uh, I did. <laughs> um, I actually took quite a while to fill it out. Oh. Only because 
white only because I really wanted to make sure like this was something I wanted to do, especially when you're filling all that out. There's lots of questions. Um, also because we, it was an independent match. It was friends of mine. We did not use an agency. I was using the clinics like general application form, which means like every egg donor, every person who goes through their clinic. Oh yeah. And so some of the questions I was like, I don't even know how to fill this out. I don't oh, even like know what they're asking. Like me. it's asking about your genetic makeup because it's for yes. donors. Yes. And, uh, right. and I was like, I have no idea. That's the reason why I'm not an egg donor. I couldn't answer half these questions. <laughs> 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 I have no clue. And so that part took me a little while too. Plus I needed to like ask my mom and my parents questions and stuff um, as well. But it did take me a little while. I definitely did not rush through that process, um, which is kind of funny because the rest of the process went pretty quickly. <laughs> Um, so I got through that and they were like, great, now we're going to bring you in. Of course, obviously, depending on my cycle. Okay, great. Your next cycle is okay. Let's fly you in. And I was like, but wait, that's in like two weeks. Um, I have to get work off and stuff. Like I can't just, I have to make sure my kids have childcare. Right. I have two young kids. Right. So, um, oddly enough, imagine that Amanda made it work (laughs) (laughs) and she always does. Right. Right. So I made it there. But it's an interesting point of perspective that, you know, when you're doing an independent match that you don't, especially if you don't know anything about surrogacy, you have no idea that some of these things, like you don't get any notice on them or very little notice on them. No. Um, I, I should. And, um, so I did, I think we did psych screening before that. Um, because that was a contention with the previous person they had worked with. Um, and so they wanted to make sure that was all clear. That they didn't um, pass the psych screening or that that's when they changed their mind? Right. That at that point they were like, mm, we don't think this is a good idea for anybody. Like I think the IPs and the other people were like, no, this this is not a good idea. I mean, that's that's good that there's part screen of that to was, tell them that, right? That to right? figure that right. out. Um, and part of that was they were not done with their family, um, building uh, their own family. Yeah. Whereas I, on the other hand, was like, oh, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm not bringing another child home. No chance. <laughs> um, but so we did meet with a psychologist. That was super easy. Um, you know, you fill out the little computer test. It was super hard for me not to be like sarcastic and um, <laughs> be like, are you freaking that. kidding me? <laughs> um, I was like, be nice, control yourself. You cannot be sarcastic on these things. Yeah, I'm not sure um, the computer would, would pick that up. <laughs> right. No, they wouldn't. So, but I was being and sarcastic and answering. Somehow you passed. Right. I was <laughs> in my head. I was being sarcastic. But on the, you know, actual computer test, I was not. Um so, and my husband went with me, we did the psych screening together, um, super supportive, um, you know, was just sh- like, sure, if this is something she wants to do, like I've known this is something she's wanted to do, so let's go for it. Um, so flew down there for my screening, uh, all of that seemed to go well, other than I have very, very tiny veins that are super hard to find, and so uh, this uh. clinic... Right. This clinic in particular puts you under, um, especially since I was out of state, because if they find any polyps or anything in your uterus, they want to be able to take care of them then in that one oh, time. Oh, interesting. I was going to ask if it was painful, but if I guess you were out. so you No just clue. Yeah. <laughs> I have wow. no idea. Um, I did not have any polyps. Did which, they tell you before you were rare. going that they were going to put you under? Yeah, I knew before I went that they were going to put me under. Okay. So I actually had to stay 
an extra day after the procedure um, because of the anesthesia. And did you, you had to bring a companion then also, right? No, I did oh. not. Only because oh, your my friends, friends were there, right? They were there. Yep. That's right. And they drove me everywhere and brought me food yeah. and did whatever I asked. So, right. They were your companion, right? Okay. They yeah. were my companion. Yes. Okay. Um, and the intended mother is super sweet. I mean, and she wanted to be there every step of the way anyways, like as if she had to go, I mean, she did IVF to even be pregnant with their other child. And so she knew, you know, the process going into it. So she wanted to be there every step of the way. Um, so she was definitely there with me and drove me and, you know, went to wherever I wanted to eat and went and got me food and whatever. So, um, yeah, so they put me under. So I don't know. I didn't feel anything. Honestly, the IV prick was probably the worst because there again, they couldn't find a vein and I had a giant bruise on my arm the next day. (laughs) Um, but other than that, um, I didn't have any polyps. My uterus apparently was beautiful. And, um, Oh, you're beautiful inside and out. In the moment I thought that is the weirdest thing anybody has ever said to me. <laughs> Cause I was like, uh, thank, thank you. I don't, what do you, what do you say to that after you're like, when you're coming out of anesthesia, I don't know. Um, and they had mapped out where they wanted to put the embryos. Everything looked great. Um, so all was well off to legal. We went. Okay. How was legal. that? That's my favorite Yay, part. Ellen's that's, favorite that's part. part. Right. In hindsight, had I only known Ellen earlier. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so legal there again, we did not have an agency. So the clinic suggested this lawyer to us. We were like, oh, okay, great. And I was like, don't we need our own? The clinic is like, oh, no, you can just use this one. When I asked the lawyer, hey, isn't it better if we have our own? Oh, no, no, no. You can just sign this waiver and then uh, I can be the lawyer for both of you. Oh. Except that Uh, she she wasn't your lawyer, right? Like you were just unrepresented. Right. Technically. Well, I know that now. Then I had no idea. You know, so I think what's hard for me and part of the reason why I work for an agency looking back is who are you supposed to believe? Like the clinic told me it was okay. This lawyer, who's also apparently a doctor, told me it was okay. Who am I supposed to believe? You know, and there again, I have IPs who obviously did an independent journey, who are putting a lot of money into this, who I'm trying to save them money, you know, saying you need to spend another thousands of, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a lawyer. Like, it puts you in a really bad situation. <laughs> yeah. And that's hard. I mean, there's there's norms in certain areas that aren't the same other places where there's certain protections in place. And some states have statutes that, you know, mandate that you have independent legal representation on either side. But so many states don't have any requirements. So it's just kind of what people tell you you're supposed to do and you're trusting them. Right. And apparently trusting the wrong people. <laughs> I know now, but obviously had no clue then. Um, and in that moment too, like I didn't, I hadn't really connected like with anybody on Facebook or I didn't know anybody who had been a surrogate. Like I didn't have any other resources than that. So I sadly just went along with it. Um, so in general though, the legal process, other than picking a horrible lawyer, which the story gets worse, but the original contract was pretty easy. I mean, 
we were friends. So we pretty much agreed on what needed to happen and what we wanted in the contract. Or if I did not want something in there, it was taken out, that kind of thing. Um, but it still was a very super... You were compensated though, right? I mean, it wasn't like you did this completely 100% altruistically. Correct. Okay. Compensated very slightly. Yeah, no, I say, I... Yes. No, (laughs) but not free. It wasn't free. Um... So, I mean, we, we all agreed on those things, um, you know, together and kind of went through the contract together and would send back revisions and that kind of thing. So, um, I mean, it didn't seem like it was that difficult. Um, in hindsight though, I totally wish I would have had my own representation and somebody being like, no, that's weird. I mean, at least you were reading it and sending, you know, your thoughts back. You weren't just right. As opposed to just signing signing what was handed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely read every single line. Like, there were some things that I was like, no, you're taking this out or I'm not doing it. Um, so, and even looking back, there are probably other things that I should have fought. But, you know, you also feel like when you're fighting for yourself, you know, I don't want to make 500 requests. I only want to make 10 or, you know, like, you feel kind of guilty. So that was definitely a struggle. I wish I would have had somebody in my corner that could have fought for me or at least said, Hey, I think you Who should would have say told you it's okay it. to make 500 requests. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Or even told me they were unreasonable, but I didn't even have that, you know, right. like, Amanda, that's stupid. You shouldn't put that in there. But <laughs> <laughs> that would have been fine too, but I didn't even have that. So, yeah. So um, you sign this get... agreement. Go ahead. Yes. Yep. So we signed the agreement Um, transfer happened pretty quickly after that, um, in February. Uh, I can't even tell you what year because I've totally lost track of my years. Um, but she is, uh, two, going to be three this year. So, um, it was a double embryo transfer. Yes. So one boy, one girl, double embryo transfer. It was their best two embryos. Um, yeah. And you had thought that you were ready for to carry twins, to do the multiples pregnancy. Yes. I mean, in hindsight, I don't think I really knew what I was signing myself up for. Um, only because I've now seen it in real life. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, I was aware. I knew like the possibility that it could be twins. Um It's not like I'm a super tiny petite person or, you know, super short. So I, my pregnancies were fairly easy. So I figured, you know, I probably could handle twins. Not that that was something I ever really wanted. Because it's a podcast. I'll just describe Amanda is quite tall. I'll I'll say that. (laughs) Right. Yes. (laughs) So, I mean, as far as like my body structure, I wasn't worried about it being like harmful or, you know, super scary. I I mean, it is just because it's twins, but um, I also felt comfortable that if I had to do it, I could. So, okay. So the transfer, so the transfer went really well. Um, I, you know, was there, I was on bed rest for a couple of days. I flew home. Everything seemed super fine. I got my two HCG tests. The numbers were fantastic. They were so fantastic. At one point, we weren't sure if it was a singleton or twins uh, guessing game. Yep. It was a guessing game there for a while. Yes. Um, shortly after the second HCG in positive test, I was actually at work one day and felt a gush and panicked. 
Um, I was a sign language interpreter at that moment. So I had to be like, I'm sorry, can you please excuse me? And um, I had started bleeding and freaked out because what do you do? Um, am I miscarrying? Am I, I, I mean, I've never experienced this before. I don't have a clue what's going on. I mean, I didn't even spot with my own children. I, I shouldn't say that I did, but like ever so slightly that you wouldn't, you would hardly even notice. And this was definitely noticeable. So I called my doctor. Um, I got in for an ultrasound that day. Um, obviously this was super early, so there wouldn't even be a heartbeat. Um, I went in they had, they did an ultrasound. The bleeding had obviously just did one big gush and then was done and had, had subsided quite a bit, even by the time I had the ultrasound later that afternoon. Um, and as I was laying there, I don't even know if I've ever told anybody this, but as I was laying there on the table, the ultrasound tech could not even find that I was even pregnant. And of course your heart just sinks and I was like, you see nothing? Absolutely nothing? Well, there again, I have this beautiful, apparently long uterus oh, where no. they had put the embryos, obviously, way back there. So she eventually went and got another, like the actual OB came in and but how scary. was looking around and actually found, yes, there is still an embryo sac in there. Like everything still looks fine. You're okay. And the worst news of all is even if you are miscarrying, there's nothing anybody can do. Have a nice day. Right. Which is really scary. And that's kind of the reality for everyone, right? When you're miscarrying, there's not a lot that can be done. Right. And nobody told me like I had no expectation of that or what to do or anything. Yeah. Oh, um, we did terrible. find out. Right. Did you call but, the intended parents before going in or I mean, what yes, the communication? I did. Point? And, well, and part of that was I called her because I wanted her to know what was going on, but also too, because I could not get a hold of anybody at the clinic and who else was I supposed to call? Right. Um, so they did know that I was going in. Um, I did, I think I just told them everything's fine. It still looks okay. You know, as long as the bleeding doesn't continue, we should be fine. Um, a couple weeks after that was the six week, um, ultrasound and they flew in for that, which was super wow. scary. Yeah. Uh, um, God. cause there again, at that point we were pretty sure I was still pregnant because I didn't have any other further bleeding or anything like that. Um, but you were, were you and, nervous? I, oh, I was super nervous. Mostly because I was nervous. Was it going to be one or two? <sighs> but they'd only seen one that when you were in there before. Well, because they were so small, there was actually two little, I mean, you could say bubbles at that point, but you couldn't really tell. So later when I got to that six week ultrasound, they figured out that that second bubble or what probably was the second embryo ended up being a, basically like a giant blood blister, which right. Jen can probably remember the exact name of it, but I'm so, totally spacing it right Subchorionic hemorrhage, yes. That, <laughs> yes. Which is part of the reason why I had bled was because they figured it probably had popped some yeah. or had leaked or whatever. Yep. But there was still some left in that ultrasound. So they were like, that is probably where the bleeding came from was just that one embryo. Yeah. They're super common in IVF pregnancies. So, yeah. Right. Which there again, nobody ever told me. Hadn't heard of such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> until that day. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we did find out it was one baby, had a heartbeat, everything was great. Yay. Um, they did warn me then that because there was, you know, this subcutaneous. The SDH, yeah. yeah. 
Yep, that SCH, that it is a possibility that I would bleed again, but, you know, gave me kind of the guidelines of what I should be expecting, um, you know, to know better. Uh, so I then, you know, had an ultrasound two weeks later, everything looked great. Did you bleed um, again? No. Did it happen? Nope. Just that once. And how were the antenna parents at that ultrasound? Were they overjoyed or were they just still nervous holding their breath the whole time? Um, they were, I mean, they were super excited. They, um, Oh, they were super excited, but, um, I mean, just hesitant there again, they didn't know if it was going to be one or two. And they'd also gone through this loss before. Right. And also too, like we were nervous there would even be one. Um, at that point we were pretty sure there would be one, um, because I didn't have any other bleeding or any other cramps or anything after that one incident. So, um, but it's still, I mean, I think they were excited and anxious and nervous and <laughs> well and I think when you lose a pregnancy at 22 weeks you know you your fear is you're gonna it's gonna happen again so I can definitely understand that they would probably be very reserved in their excitement early on there right and that was just it too they were always like cautiously excited I guess yeah um yeah I don't I don't know a better way to say that right so so, but, you know, you, I'm sure at this point, I assume you went through kind of typical, like the clinic releases you, you go back to your regular OB, you know, how was that, was that the case for you? Were there any complications there or anything get funky? <laughs> no, from then on out, it was pretty smooth sailing. Um, yeah, I weaned off meds. Everything was great. I continued on pretty much like a normal pregnancy. Yay. Good. And then the greatest attorney in all of Colorado stepped in for you. Right. Right. So So at about 20 weeks, I was like, isn't there something that's supposed to be happening? Like, so that they can be the parents, like, let me go back and read the contract. And I read through and it was like, Oh, at about this time, they're supposed to do such and such paperwork. And I contacted the intended parents and I was like, hey, have you been in contact with your lawyer? Because you might want to start getting the paperwork ready. Uh, this, is, um, this is why we after, love you. You're the one who's like, wait, should we be doing something? And right? Right? I'm like, hello, I'm pregnant with your child and I'm having to tell you. Yes, that's exactly how it goes. And so they contacted several times, tried to contact the lawyer several times. Um, mind you, I also figured out in this contacting, like they were supposed to have a will done and all this other stuff that was also supposed to be done as part of the legal contract and it was not done because this lawyer was supposed to be doing all this stuff and did nothing after the contract basically. So eventually they gave up after like two or three weeks of trying to get this process started and contacted, I think they just looked up online, like reproductive lawyers in Colorado and yes. SEO. Um, Yay right? online. Right. Right. They typed in and, awesomest uh, attorney in Colorado. And you yeah, know. right. <laughs> right? No. Mm-hmm. Except I didn't right? represent them. So. Oh, wait, yeah. wait. Okay, never mind. Never so mind. they they right? second awesomest attorney. <laughs> right? So they did choose somebody else. And then they gave me names of two lawyers that they were like, hey, these are other people that we contacted that we really like. 
But at this uh, because, point, oh, they realized they needed two attorneys at this point, right? Oh, no, no, no. Well, the reason they realized is because their new attorney told them, mm-hmm. I will not represent you unless your gestational carrier also has an attorney. Major right. props to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hello, freaking Louie. Right. Somebody, <laughs> somebody smart enough to be like, no, I'm not doing that. Right. Um, and so they gave me two names. I contacted both lawyers Ellen happened to be the one who like emailed me back promptly. Ooh. I'm not even sure, honestly, <laughs> that the other lawyer ever even emailed. Yes, that's how I went. Emailing back first. Yay. Right. Oh. Um, so I was like, great. As long as I have representation, like, and you're the right kind of lawyer, like, let's go for it. Yeah. Cause well, this is already like 10 steps up for me. Right. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so at that point, I, <laughs> Um, I think Ellen actually said to me, you know, your contract is not very good. It might have even been, I'm not even sure it's valid oh. <laughs> in the state of Colorado. And I was like, that's great. At this point, I'm already, I think at that point I was already like 26, 27 weeks, 28. I don't know. I was starting to get up there and I was like, that's great. I can't go back and fix that. If we need to fix that, great. But at this point, can we just please get the paperwork done for them to be parents? Because I'm not taking this child home. It is not my child. I do not want to take her home. She needs to go with her family. Um, so uh, they were great about that. Ellen was even so fantastic. I think I called her one day sobbing, um, you know, because I was crazy pregnant lady. Uh, I think the pre-birth order had already been filed and I called her in tears because I was like, they don't even want to pay me the tiny little amount that they, they wanted to pay me because they're saying something in the contract this way. And I interpret it this way. And I don't know what to do. Like, she was like, okay, I will call their lawyer. We will talk about this. We'll get this handled. Oh, well, I sound really nice. Yes, you are actually. You were super nice. And you were actually, I know you were like hauling kids around and doing stuff at the time, but you still were like, I will take care of this. Um and so luckily enough, she did. (laughs) Luckily enough for me. Um so we got it all straightened out um eventually. (laughs) Um and baby was born, everything seemed great. Well, before that, I don't know if you want to talk about this, yes. but one of the things that stood out to me was um, your insurance. Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So another thing that nobody ever told me or talked to me about was that my insurance could have a lien on it or that they could seek, um, like, basically compensation from me or reimbursement from me for medical expenses, which I had no idea about until, you know, we I actually had my own representation. <laughs> Um, I mean, that's one of the big areas that when I work with independent matches, I'm like, you need to talk to an insurance specialist because it's, it's scary. There's a lot of liability for both sides. If, if there isn't the coverage that you expect in place. Right. Well, and there again, I was believing my doctor's office and them saying, oh yeah, we've represented, you know, we've seen surrogates before. No big deal. Um, it's no big deal for them to treat you. That's just <laughs> right. no, and they they right? have no idea. Like if they have backup insurance no. or other thing, you know, you don't know. Or they're doing altruistically. Who knows? Right, right. Um, yeah. So definitely something you should really know and pay attention to, and get your insurance reviewed, and know where it stands as far as 
surrogacy and if it's covered and if your state has like laws or codes that they use specific for surrogacy, all of that fun stuff. And so, and they were paying you directly. So there was no escrow either. So when you were going back and forth and panicking about that money, like you, you really had no assurance. It it was just literally, if they didn't write the check, you weren't going to get it. Yep. Okay. Yes. And honestly, on most of these things, because I didn't have escrow, I paid them out of my pocket first, and then I would get a PayPal payment from them after, after, you know, I had sent them a receipt or something, because that was part of the thing in the contract was I would be reimbursed once I provided physical proof. So basically sent them a receipt. How was that? Because I'm always nervous with independent matches, no escrow, that that just like adds this awkward kind of like complication to the relationship where you're like directly submitting receipts and they're like, Oh, another expense. And it just, I don't know, kind of this unpleasant Um, element. That was probably the worst part and probably pretty much what put a real riff in our relationship was because of the money. Because I have to ask you for money, you should be paying for these things. And honestly, even though we used my insurance and we shouldn't have, they got off dirt cheap. But yet I kept having to, I mean, $250 for a delivery. Seriously, who pays $250 for a delivery? That's amazing. But yet I was hearing all the time, this is costing too much money. Like we've spent this much money on this. Why do we have to keep spending money? Like what? Well, you would be paying co-pays, you would be paying for the birth, you would be paying for vitamins, you would be paying, regardless of who was pregnant, whether it was me, whether it was her, whether it was another surrogate, you would be paying for these things no matter who was pregnant. So that was super hard to hear was it's like, you chose to do this, I shouldn't have to feel guilty that you're paying for your child. Um, So that is, that is something that has been super hard for me, um, and super frustrating. And one of the main reasons why um, I wanted to get connected with an agency and help surrogates afterwards, because I never wanted anybody to feel like that, like to feel like you're super alone, like you have no resources and to feel guilty for giving up your life for basically nine months. And honestly, for not a, for my, in my case, for not a whole lot of money, not even anything to help benefit my family. Um, Yeah. So that was super hard. And I recommend, even if you are going to do an independent match, I totally understand that because it is cheaper in a sense for the intended parents. Um, I still would do an escrow account. There still needs to be money there. You should not have to be asking them or, you know, shelling out money in the beginning. I would have to shell out money for the blood tests that I had to have done for the clinic and then be reimbursed. I had to pay for them up front and then be reimbursed for that. You know, and some of those were hundreds of dollars. And they're they're frequent too, really frequent. Right. Uh, Yeah, like at least twice a week at one point. And so I, you know, that is something I would recommend is that you definitely have an escrow account because she shouldn't have to be asking you for money ever um, because it makes it weird and awkward and super hard. And it's not like I was asking for crazy things. I wasn't asking for like, you know, I'm eating only only organic now, or you know, you, you didn't need to. Which to many is not crazy. An, <laughs> no, I say, but you didn't need to go buy an emotional support animal or something. And yeah. <laughs> right. no, I didn't. Like, um, no, I didn't do any of that. I mean, I was doing massage and chiropractic and paying for all of that myself. 
um, which they did start chipping in for some of that. But even still, like I felt guilty having to ask because I was already being told how much this was costing. Um, you know, so uh, that is definitely something I would try to keep that separate, whether you're friends or family or not, because I mean, money's just hard in general and I get it's a very expensive process. I totally understand that. Um, but, um, that, that shouldn't be the number one focus during this process. Like regardless of who's pregnant, creating a human being is never cheap. <laughs> this makes it a little bit, you know, more expensive, but a lot of the things that you're paying for, you know, especially during the pregnancy, like co-pays and vitamins and all of that kind of stuff is something you would be paying for regardless of who was pregnant. So, yeah. So you got your pre, did you finally get the pre-birth order? We did. We got it in plenty of time for the birth because big surprise, Amanda doesn't go into labor early, even if she wants to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But we did, we got it in plenty of time. The intended parents made it to town. Um, They were there for the birth. Um, Yeah. Everything seemed to go smoothly. Um, she how, came out. How was that? Was that weird having kind of like not your just your husband in the room and doctors? You having other people uh, who are the parents, this child you're giving birth to? Right. I mean, once you've given birth, there's so many people in the room sometimes that you don't even know. I guess you just don't. I just didn't care at that point. Sure. <laughs> um, I also really went into this wanting to do it unmedicated. Um, and to not have an epidural. So I was very clear about how I wanted things to be. Wow. Um, at that point, because I felt like that was all I could control. Um, and so my mom was there. My husband was there. Um, the, the crazy thing is I went in, the doctor checked me. She's like, oh, you have a while. I was like, okay, can I do a bath or something, you know, to kind of relieve some of this versus, you know, getting an epidural. So, the doctor's like, oh, you have a while to go. So a social worker came in and took the intended parents and was asking them, I don't know, questions, whatever, having a conversation out in the hall. Well, my water broke. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And that's well, things up. <laughs> one, right? So once my water breaks, you, we don't have very long. <laughs> like, I know that from both my, you know, my other children's experience. I'm- once that water breaks... This process moves real quick. I'm the same way. I know. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> right? And so I was like, go get them now. <laughs> like I was screaming. I'm sure they heard me down the hall. But that's kind of sweet that like in the midst of this, you're like, you're concerned about having them there them. for the birth. Yeah. Not just like right? the excruciating well, pain. And- <laughs> I know. I first did say, this baby is coming. I am going to push. Because the doctor's like, oh, no, 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 no. I was like, mm. I am going to push. And then I screamed, go get them now. Because <laughs> I knew yeah. it wasn't going to take very long. Like, this baby was going to be out in a matter of minutes. Yeah. And she was. Good like, they you. barely walked in the room. I think I pushed three times, and there she wow. was. And, and you did it. You were unmedicated. I did it completely unmedicated. I did let Rock them put star. an IV in because wow. they were freaking out yeah. the doctors and the nurses were freaking out because like what if something happens yeah, right. from well good thing i did let them put it i would say in. from personal experience i can tell you that's exact was my goal and it was a good thing they put the IV in because uh things did not go to plan so yes always always do that right? yeah 
But I was like, fine, put the IV in. Of course, as I'm having contractions earlier, I was super annoyed by it. But I was like, whatever, put it in. Uh, um, so, so I, I will just did. tell you, sorry, I know this is your story. Sorry, but with my third, yes, no, they did no. not get an IV in because I was <gasps> resistant of it. And when they did right? ultimately knock me out, I think it was, I think like the millions of stabs in my arm were like, oh, I don't, that. Cause they, they didn't have me eating or drinking for whatever number of hours. Oh. So I think it just made things worse. But You're I remember dehydrated. being yeah. in the OR and then like saying, get her out. And I had no IV and they were like stabbing my arm to do it. Right. Uh, so even if you don't want an epidural, okay. Right. Yeah. Get an IV. Right. Oh, okay. I should have done that. Anyway. All right. So anyway, why was it a good thing I got that IV in there? Because my placenta would not come out. So it had been 30 minutes and the doctor looks at me and goes, I think we need to go to the OR. Do you want me to knock you out? Because I know you wanted to do this unmedicated. I was like, I had the baby. That was unmedicated. That was the part. knock me out like general anesthetic that you're putting in my arm versus an epidural is very different yes knock me out (laughs) okay yes so they you know she's like everything's okay right now but you know you can typically lose a lot of blood especially if the placenta won't release and so the last thing I remember is rolling into the um, OR in the delivery section and she is sternly saying to the anesthesiologist you need to put her out now. She is bleeding. Oh my God. And that's the last wow, thing I remember. That's scary. Right? <sighs> so I woke up very groggy, not realizing that it had maybe been, I don't know, like 30 minutes or something from what I, re- it was apparently not a very long time, but I felt like it had been hours and hours and hours. Like I thought it had been like four or five hours. It had not. <laughs> wow. Um, so as I'm sitting there with my oxygen still on and trying to, you know, come out of anesthesia and am I alive? Like how much blood did I lose? What the heck is going on? Um, my intended parents were very concerned as well, especially considering, um, the situation with the loss of the baby at 22 weeks, the intended mother also almost died because of the, um, situation. So she was super concerned about me. They actually, they had already got a room in, um, you know, like the birth center with the baby and they actually brought the baby like minutes after I got out of surgery, brought the baby down to see me and they wanted to let me know that she was okay because I kept asking, um, you know, when I was going through my stuff, is she okay? Is everything okay with her? Like, you know, we can figure out me, but is everything okay with her? So they were very, you know, cautious to bring her down and make sure she is okay. She's fine. She's doing good. So, um, I lost a lot of blood. Luckily the, um, doctor was like, you are one of the 98% that have more blood than anybody else. And so we did not have to give you a transfusion. She's like, anybody else? Beautiful uterus, extra blood. She's like, anybody else we would have had to give like extra blood to. They would be on iron and all sorts of different things. Um, I did not have to do any of that. Luckily, Um, it definitely did take my body longer to recuperate because I had lost so much blood. Um, They did keep me in the hospital a little bit longer. just because there were times where I'd get kind of lightheaded and feel kind of woozy um, just as my body was trying to catch up. So other than that, though, the baby actually went home before I did. Um, so they left the hospital before I did. Oh, um, did they stay locally or did they, they, they flew home? No, they went, they drove. So they, oh, they, uh, drove. they immediately drove back home. Yeah. 
Um, and some of that was they wanted to get there for their pediatrician appointment and all of that yeah. kind of fun stuff. So, right. That makes sense. So, and do you still see them then sometimes? Yes. So I have seen them since, um, they have family that lives kind of here and there and everywhere. So if they come through the Denver area, they, we usually, they try to stop and see us, um, or we try to get together when they're around. Um, we have, they have an app that they do pictures and stuff on for their family. And so I'm part of that app. So I see those pictures and stuff all the time, um, of them together and her and, you know, just daily activities that you send everybody, you know, random pictures of. So Oh, that's awesome. So then, okay. So after that, then I, I'm actually just curious from, cause I, I don't know what your mental mindset was when you reached out to us. So, so what made you decide to uh, <laughs> pursue working with surrogacy? Right. So the only person there again, that I like felt like I trusted and that would possibly know of resources and ways I could help was Ellen. Right. <laughs> I'm really flattered by this. And so it it probably wasn't two or three months after I'd had the baby. I don't think it was very long at all. And I called and was like, hey, you know kind of my situation. It was a horrible experience in some ways. And I don't want people, you know, to feel alone and to not have the resources and not be able to ask the questions. So do you know of anywhere I could connect with other surrogates or other ways, you know, I could get involved in this process? And Ellen says, well, actually... <laughs> My sister and I just started an agency. Would you be interested in anything? I think we might be looking, you know, for somebody to maybe do some office work or something. I don't know, random like that. What do you think? Uh, I know. And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, sure. I'll, I'll, do you have an email or something? And, uh, uh, you know, that specifically that you want me to email a resume or anything too? And she's like, yeah, sure. Just email it, you know, to my law center email. So I was like, okay, great. Uh, we hung up and I'm pretty sure it was in like within five minutes. I'd already emailed my <laughs> That's the Amanda <laughs> I know. That, that is exactly why Amanda is amazing. Like, right. I'm working with you. Like you're so responsive and so on top of things. And that has been incredible for everyone that works with you and us that we get to take advantage of that amazing responsiveness and just general like pre-planning and on top of things and I feel like you've already planned out the next year or two or five I don't know right she she has our long-term planning range already going I'm sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> she just hasn't told us yet what it is <laughs> right yes I have to give it to you in right small <laughs> right yeah. I say from there I guess the rest is history right you you came on board and started part-time and now we're our full-time office manager so yeah Right. I started very part time um, and did some work with GCs and helped with, you know, just office stuff. And then was like, hey, what about this? Let's do this. So you, I, I mean, I know this is about your story and everything, but from the other side, you've like completely blown me away, like constantly of like right. how amazing you are. And I do have to say this moment. So we had after the first year we had we had been kind of an organization, we had a, a retreat and I have this mentor who talked about, so she runs a big firm and they have annual retreats and they have like goal setting. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. And so we do, I like send these things around for goal setting and we go around and you're like, yeah, I plan on being this position and here are my goals. And here is the org chart I set out for the organization, like everything, right? like we didn't have any of that. And we're just like, Oh, 
okay, yes, Amanda, whatever Amanda says, like that is what's happening. (laughs) And afterwards, well, so afterwards, Ellen, I approached her about it and she goes, oh yeah, I've been grooming you for that day for months. Like she knew what she was doing. (laughs) I like that she admits to grooming us. Wow. I already knew that you could not just approach Jen and Ellen with, hey, like, let's try this. And you get a yes, no. The answer always starts with no. That's That's always my first answer. I don't know. Mine's like, okay, whatever. (laughs) Always. Always the first answer is no. And so I was like, okay, so we're going to have to start planting these seeds real early (laughs) and just start talking about these things. And like, hey, what about this? Okay. Hey, what about this? Hey, what about? Yep. And just keep working on it. Yes, she knows I, me. I had already figured out that yeah, pattern. She knows me. It's all right. <laughs> what yeah. are we being grouped for right now? I'm just curious. Can you? Can I don't you know. Tell me? I don't know that we want that announced to the world. Whatever it is. <laughs> oh. I don't. I totally missed your question. I didn't like, even what are you said. currently grooming us for at the moment? Which oh, we don't know about yet. Oh, the, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, yeah, I don't know that you want that announced. Right? To the world. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> we are working with alien gestational care. Right? I wish. Yeah, I wish I had the magic formula for that, right? but I don't. So. Oh, yeah. No. So, I mean, it's been, from our perspective, we've been very lucky to glean your knowledge and experience because I think it's made you incredible at what you do because of your perspective and, you know, that, that you you know what's right and what's wrong and you know that if it feels wrong it's wrong and let, let's figure out how to make it be right and right. we oh, have can I tell one more prepared. Amanda's amazing yeah. story so yes. uh I mean you have been you are incredible and you're just like I just like we can't survive without you as my currently thinking but we had this situation where a gestational carrier was trying to do her injections and I think the situation was she was sent the wrong gauge needle but she was like trying over and over again and like in tears that she couldn't. It was a, and it was like a Sunday night time. and it was a, yeah. yeah, it was like a weird time. And we, you know, you personally like got on the phone with her and like talked her through like different, different techniques and different methods. And like, you were like, you've been through it and you were so calm and you were like the amazing person to help her get through that. And that was just, I just was so, so incredible and something that Jen and I just don't, have the experience or tools or amazingness that you have to do that for someone. I think some of it is too, like for you to be a gestational carrier, your automatic thought is like, and you're doing this for somebody else. So you don't want to hurt them. You don't want to cause anything like bad to happen for them or for the baby. Like you want this to be the best experience. And you know, in most cases that they've experienced some kind of trauma or loss. And so you want the best situation for them. So automatically when something like that happens, and I've seen this happen with numerous carriers, uh, even myself, it's like, well, what did I do wrong? Well, did I mess this up? Well, you know, how can I fix this? What? It, and we automatically blame ourselves or, you know, feel guilty that we did something wrong or that something bad happened when, you know, yes, sometimes that is the case. We are still human. We still can screw things up. But most of the time it's just no, you're okay. You know, take a deep breath. You didn't do anything wrong. Let's try this again this way, or let's try it that way. Or what about this? What about that? Um, and just trying different things and, you know, kind of working through the process because most of the time it isn't our fault. Um, but you feel this sense of like guilt and responsibility. And so it automatically comes down to that. And then, you know, we let our minds run away and we worry about crazy things. And so I think just, you know, 
that's why I love working for an agency and having that resource for gestational carriers is I'm always like, yes, call me. I don't care what time of day or night it is, you know, whatever. I might have to tell my children to be quiet. But, um, <laughs> we all tell our children that in the background. It's fine. <laughs> right. But I'm like, please call me. I would rather you call me and we talk through this and figure out something like it probably isn't your fault. So let's work through this and figure out what to do, you know, so it isn't your fault. And sometimes bad things just happen and it sucks. But, you know, I I hate for people to feel like they need to blame themselves for something that happened when in reality, it's probably like something simple, like you weren't given the right size gauge needle in order to draw this product from, you know, the vial or, you know, have you tried doing this instead of that or whatever. So it just helps people not feel so alone. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing your story. It's, uh, it, it's fun for us to get to hear the whole perspective of it. Cause I think we always hear bits and pieces of it over time, but to put it all together in one large block is really excellent for us. So thank you so much. And for everything yeah. you do every day for other families and, and for everything you do. Yes, exactly. For, for every family that we help. So we really appreciate it. So. Yes. I love them. I love this job. I love the two of you. I appreciate it. Right. I appreciate Ellen so much because she really did. She really had to step outside of her box, I think for me and, you know, scoop me up in a real bad situation um, and took care of me. And Jen has definitely taken me under her wing and um, let me kind of, you know, stomp on her parade at times. Um, You're uh, improving my parade. You're not stomping on my parade. You're improving my parade. That's all. (laughs) Sometimes. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, clip this part of the podcast and keep it for later when you get ah, that. Excellent. And with that, <laughs> when I do we better end me. the interview. <laughs> Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you guys. You have a wonderful day. Lesson of the day. I, I feel like le- Amanda gives all the lessons in there about how it's so important to, to have support and to you use an agency <laughs> definitely is a good I know I know and I'm like I'm such an advocate of the independent journeys can work I know of course you have to have some level of education and knowledge to do that and it's hard because you just go in trusting that everything's gonna be fine and you don't know what you don't know um I have to say that Amanda to me like is a personal lesson about never knowing like how the people in your lives will will come into your life and you know I just think I'm doing my, my legal work and helping someone. And then they become later become a huge part of your, your life and you're working together daily. And, you know, you come to like really be amazed and love this person. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, life has fascinating paths and things that get put in front of you. So it's pretty awesome. Um, so speaking of awesome, it would be more than awesome. I, I feel like I'm singing the Lego song right now. Everything is awesome. Oh, wait. Maybe we can have um, it play in the background. <laughs> we oh, should have copyright. Background. No, sure we have to yeah. like buy rights or something. <laughs> right. But anyway, it would be awesome if people went onto iTunes and left us a review or also called us and just gave us comments or who you'd like to see coming up in future episodes. Uh, the number is 303 nine nine seven one nine zero three and we love to hear from people so any any feedback positive or negative tell you know either way we we want to hear it so thank you always as always to chris at worker studios who makes us sound phenomenal and sometimes does it on a really short timeline so we 
really, really appreciate his willingness to be uh, patient with us and, and do wonderful things. But the thank you most of all to all of you who have listened to us over the past year. We, we really appreciate it and are looking forward to our second year with you. Thank you.